We've been talking together as a church about having eyes of faith, trying to look at whatever situation is going on in your life right now. Perhaps it's a health diagnosis uh, that you just received. Perhaps it's a difficult situation at school. Maybe it's a sporting success that you've been having. Maybe you've been trying to lose weight and it's been going really well. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your financial situation. Doesn't matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent. Any situation that is on your mind this morning, any situation that you're going through this week, how do you look at that situation with the eyes of faith? Some of you this morning had something happen that seemed like it was just routine or mundane, but was actually the hand of God doing something today. How do you look at that with the eyes of faith? What I mean by that is whatever situation... The difficulty you had with your car this morning on the way to church. To look at that with the eyes of faith is to ask, what is God up to in this? Yes, there's probably a mechanical explanation for what happened with your car. But what is God doing in this situation? It's to ask the question, how does God want to use this situation? Even my own struggles, my own sins, my own stumbles. How does God want to use my weaknesses? to bless me. To look at things with the eyes of faith is to go back and to say once again, what have I missed about what God might be doing in this situation? The question is, how? How do you look at things not with human eyes, not just at the stuff you can observe with your eyes, but how do you look at them with the eyes of your heart? Well, when we first started talking about seeing things with the eyes of faith, I gave you a very simple, very powerful way to start, and that is pray. Simply pray, God, please open the eyes of my heart. Please help me to see this situation, what we're going through, whatever it may be, the way you see it. Last week, Tom gave us another very practical way that we can grow in our ability to see things with the eyes of faith. He said, get going on your walk, your worship, and your witnessing. In other words, God's got a path that he's laid out for you. He's got an assignment that's part of that path. Worshiping him is part of that. Bearing witness to others. Obeying him. And as you learn to walk with the Lord, you're going to see what God is up to. Today, I want to give you a third thing that we can do to help us see life with the eyes of faith. Please take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, please, please borrow one of ours. There's one in the rack in front of you or underneath your seat. In those Bibles, it's page 974. Hebrews 11, 974. Tom told you this morning, this is a special service. We're kicking off our pledge process for this Grace Beyond Building project. But most importantly, it's a worship service. And God has a message for us from his word that does apply to what we're trying to do with this building project, but also applies to whatever may be going on in your life right now. So we want to listen and hear what God has to say to us. Hebrews chapter 11 We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 22, and we're going to kind of take them a little bit of one verse at a time. So begin with me, Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, 
obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Stop there for a moment. How many of you have ever had the opportunity to think about or consider moving to another town? Maybe you moved here, maybe you've been asked to move from here somewhere else. How many of you have ever had the opportunity to think about moving somewhere? What does logic tell you you should do as you're considering a new city to move to? Check it out, right? Go online, figure out what's the weather like in that city. What are fun things to do in that city? Would I be able to find a job in that city? What's the cost of living in that city? If you're going to be going to college in that city, contacting the college to find out what's life like in that place that I've not been that I'm considering moving. That's what logic would tell you to do if you're considering moving to another location. Lay down all the pros and cons of them move and make a good, sensible, wise decision. That's what logic says. What did faith tell Abraham to do when he was in that situation? Just go. He doesn't even know where he's going. He can't Google Canaan. Partly there's no Google and partly he doesn't know he's going to Canaan. He doesn't know anything about this move. He doesn't know what it's going to be like when he gets there because he doesn't know where he's going. Logic says, get it all figured out ahead of time as much as possible. Faith says, just go. Just go. Verse 9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. Okay, so imagine that you are going to move to this new city or that you have moved to this city and imagine that you know this is going to be your home for a long, long period of time. This is going to be where you lived. In fact, this is the land God has given to you. This city is going to be your city and you and your children and your grandchildren and your descendants are going to live in this land. If that's the case, what does logic tell you when you think about moving to that place, what you should do about housing? Build something. Buy something. Settle down. You're going to be here for a long time. Logic tells you, invest in it. Invest in the community. Get to know the people around you. Settle down. Put down roots. You and your family are going to be here for a long, long, long time. That's what logic tells you to do. What did faith tell Abraham to do? Live in a tent. Move from place to place in the land that belonged to him. God gave him that land as an inheritance. And he chose to live a nomadic existence in the midst of that land. Verse number 11. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. If you're a female here and a doctor has declared to you based on the medical evidence that it is not biologically possible for you to have a child, what does logic tell you the odds are that you're going to get pregnant? Pretty low. That's the situation Sarah was in. She was beyond childbearing age. And worse than that, she hadn't had any children up until that point anyway. She was barren. Logic says, no way she's having a child. What did faith tell her? 
She's going to have a baby. That she's going to have a baby. Verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham has been promised a child. Abraham and Sarah have been promised a child. That boy's name is Isaac. He comes along and Abraham says, fantastic. This is the child through which God is going to fill the rest of the promises, which is to give me descendants as numerous as the sands on the seashore. Problem is, what does logic tell you if you've got one son through whom all the rest of your descendants are going to come? What does logic tell you if you think about killing that child? Not a good idea. This is not going to work out. If the promise is you're going to have thousands upon thousands, millions, billions of descendants, and they're all going to come through this one child, logic would tell you, do everything you can to protect that child's life. What did faith tell Abraham to do? Give him back to God. Offer him back to God. Verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Now, some of you may be teachers. If you're a teacher and you have a student in your class, someone you're responsible for who shows incredible potential, they seem to have everything going for them. Their future is incredibly bright. Or perhaps as a parent, you look at one of your children and they seem that they've got everything going, an incredibly bright future for them. What does logic tell you you should do to enable them or help them have a great future? Open the doors. Give them every advantage. Help them to succeed. Send them on their way. Give them your blessing and tell them, look, the sky's the limit. Go for it. But what did faith tell Isaac to do? You see, Isaac has a son... Esau, who's his favorite child. And this is the boy he thinks is destined for success. Logic tells him, bless that child. Give him the greater blessing. Send him on to greater and wonderful things. That's the the kid I resonate with. That's the one I like being around. That's the one I think is going to be successful. That's what logic would tell you to do. What did faith tell Isaac to do? Give the greater blessing to Jacob the younger son, the one that Isaac doesn't resonate as much with, the one that he doesn't think is going to be successful in life. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worship as he leaned on top of his staff. If you've ever had the experience of losing a child, whether to death or simply to estrangement, they want nothing to do with you or to do with the Lord. What does logic tell you about that hole in your heart, that space that's been left by that loss? It's never going to be filled. You'll never be able to get over that. What does faith tell you? Well, this is what it told Jacob, who thought and did lose his son Joseph for a long period of time. Is that when Joseph came back, Jacob recognized that in Joseph's two sons, his grandsons, God was filling that void in his heart. And by faith, Jacob accepted Joseph's sons as his own. That this was God filling that hole in his heart that Jacob had lost Joseph for so long, he could never get those years back. But by faith, 
he accepted that God had given him grandsons. And those grandchildren were a blessing from the Lord. Verse 22, by faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. All right, if you're Joseph and you got a choice, you can be buried in Egypt where you're currently a hero. You have basically the rank of Pharaoh. Everybody knows you and celebrates you as a national hero or you can be buried there in Egypt or you can be buried in Canaan, where currently you have no one that you are related to living there, and no one you are related to is going to be living there for another 400 years. What does logic tell you where you should choose as your burial spot? Egypt. I mean, after all, if the Egyptians are good at anything, it's burying people, right? That's what they do. They bury people. They do it really, really well. Logic tells you, go with the Egyptians. What does faith tell Joseph to do? Be buried back in the promised land with a graveside that's not going to actually come around for 400 some years. You see, the thing that all of these people have in common, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, is that when they looked at their situation with the eyes of faith, they did in many ways the exact opposite of what logic would have told them to do. And here's the lesson as we're trying to think about how do you look at life with the eyes of faith? In order to look at life with the eyes of faith, you and I have to stop looking at life with the eyes of logic. We have to stop ensuring that we always make sensible, wise, well-affirmed decisions. That if we are going to walk and make decisions with the eyes of faith, we're going to end up doing things that sometimes make no sense to us and make no sense to others. Now how do you do that? That's easy to say, and, and perhaps it's even easy to see in these examples. But I can tell you from personal experience, it's really, really hard to come up to a decision and not make the logical decision and make the different one. How were they empowered to be able to do that? Two things. First, they had their eyes focused on the future. Verse 10, speaking of Abraham, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. This promised land that God had given to Abraham, that was not his ultimate hope, though that's not where he fixed his eyes. His eyes were fixed on the future. And Abraham was not interested in trying to get his best life now. He was not interested in trying to have the most comfortable life in the present. He was focused on the future. And the point is, if you are thinking about the future, you're going to make choices in the present that you or others think are foolish. That if all you're concerned with is right now, if all you're concerned with is how tomorrow is going to go, you're going to make decisions that everybody around you thinks are smart. But if you're thinking about the future, if you're thinking about what God has planned for you that is beyond anything that you can ever imagine, you're going to make some choices today that lots of people are going to think make no sense whatsoever. Second, they were focused on the faithfulness of God. Verse 11. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. 
Abraham's willing to go to a land he knows nothing about that makes no sense to him whatsoever. Abraham's willing to live in the land he's been given as an inheritance, as a stranger. He's willing to believe that God is going to give him and his wife Sarah a child. He's willing to believe that this child, when offered back to God, will be given back to him. Isaac is willing to believe that he can bless the child he doesn't think is going to be successful. Jacob is willing to believe that these two grandchildren are actually God blessing him for the loss of a child. Joseph is willing to believe that if he chooses a burial site that's not going to come around for 400 years, that this is a better thing. All because they believe God is faithful. That God will do what he promised. That if we look around and we think, I've got to make this happen. I've got to make my life turn out a certain sort of way. When we do that, we make decisions that we think are smart and everybody around us thinks is smart. But when you realize that God has a future planned for you that is far greater than anything you could ever hope for or imagine, and you see that he's absolutely faithful. He doesn't take any days off. He always fulfills his promises. It always works out better than you could have possibly imagined. When you see that character trait of God, then you're able to let go of logic and you're able to trust. We're thinking today about our Grace Beyond building project. I think it's fitting Lori shared about her dad and where this church was some 40 years ago as they were considering moving out to this location. What she didn't tell you is the pastor at the time, Pastor Gardner, as they were praying through and thinking about doing a building project, was diagnosed with cancer. Now, if you're a pastor and you're responsible for leading a building project and you've been diagnosed with cancer, what does logic tell you you should do in regard to that building project? Cancel it. Back up. By faith, that's not what Pastor Gardner did. Logic says, look, you got other things to worry about. You're about to lose your life. That's what you should be focused on. That's what you should save your energy for. That's what the church should be thinking about right now. That's what logic tells you to do. But that's not what he did. What he did is say, look, this is what God has for us and what he envisioned is a future brighter than he could have imagined. This future right now. The one we're standing in. This building in this place. He envisioned a future where a faithful God would have taken this church beyond anything he could have taken us in his own human power. And here we are today because of his faith. In fact, on the day, the night they were going to be voting, we were going to be voting about whether to move out here or not. He lay dying in a hospital bed. And Lori's dad and Tom's dad, Wally, went to visit him. And Pastor Gardner's message to the church was, tell them this project is bigger than any one person. Tell them God will take care of them. We've got to go forward. Now, the amazing thing about that is while he was laying in that bed, he said to Tom's dad and to Lori's dad, you got to build this building because I'm going to stand in there and preach one day. Now, logic tells us, well, he was a fool. He's dying in a hospital bed. They haven't even broken ground or raised money or even voted yet. There's no way he's going to make it to the time the building was built. And you know what? He died long before this building was built. He never once physically set foot in this place. 
But if you look at it with the eyes of faith, he is preaching here. He's preaching here this morning. And his example of faith that comes alongside of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, that like it says in Hebrews 11 of Abel, even though he's dead, he still speaks. How? By faith. Pastor Gardner is preaching here this morning and what he's telling us is, look, this project that you're about to embark on, you have a faithful God, the same God we had 40 years ago. The reason we're sitting in this building is because people had faith to see a future beyond what the world around them said was sensible and smart. Now, the reason this is important is, listen, when it's come to this building project, I have looked at this thing from every different direction to try to make sense of it. I have used all the engineering background I've ever had to try to make sense. How is this going to work? And I cannot make sense of it. And if you haven't gotten there yet, you will. But the point is, we walk by faith and not by sight. To see things with the eyes of faith means that sometimes God calls us to do stuff that we think doesn't make sense and that the world around us doesn't think makes sense. And at some point when you look at the money that we're trying to raise, when you look at the inconvenience of being out of this building uh, for a period of time, if you look at our favorite programs getting canceled or not being able to meet, if you look at what the newspapers or other people around us might say or what your neighbor or your parents might say, at some point you're going to look at this and say, we're going to hit a wall in which we cannot make sense of what we're being asked to do and the point is that's the time to look with the eyes of faith we are not doing this project because it makes a ton of sense we're doing this project because we pretty sure this is what God's called us to do and by faith we believe that God has a future that is far greater than anything we can imagine and that he is absolutely totally faithful that he will not abandon us and he will walk with us through this.